This is the Living Prophets Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Maxmeister. This is about starting a conversation. And if you don't know what conversation I'm talking about, this is June 2020. We've been in COVID pandemic lockdown for several months. And several weeks ago, George Floyd was murdered by the Minneapolis police in what sparked weeks of nonviolent protests. And there seems to be, at this point, a lot of white people, people like me, who feel like we're not directly affected by daily systemic racism. There are a lot of white people waking up and asking, what can I do? How can I be part of the solution? And the number one thing that we can do is talk to other people like us So the conversation is the conversation I'm going to have with my parents. So let me begin with a story that for me is a good example that I can relate to of what implicit bias is about. And then we'll get on to what white privilege is about. So some 17 years ago, I was protesting the start of the Iraq war and I wrote a folk song, and I brought that song that I thought was pretty good but still not complete to a friend of a friend who was a songwriter who happened to be blind. And I sat down and played my song, and I sang the lyrics that I'd written, which included, I have a choice in life to make, and I can only say what I see. I can't let my conscience be appeased. Well, there was a lot of imagery in my song about seeing, and I didn't realize, even though we have five senses, I had chosen to focus on the one sense, sight, and then I brought it to someone for whom that one sense is just not a part of her experience. Janice was very gracious in critiquing. After I finished, she sat for a moment, and she said, well, there's some parts in there that I like, But there also are some parts that I can't relate to, which is probably the most gracious, subtle, and tactful way to say that you've just written a song that completely ignores my lived experience. I had an implicit bias towards sight and didn't talk about any of the other experiences that someone has. Your bias is based on your upbringing. You probably don't notice the things you're looking at And now we are being faced with a world that people are waking up to and realizing is not at all like the blueprint that we have been given. The Constitution is an idea. The Constitution is not the United States. It's not the way the country functions. The injustices that we're seeing, they're not a bug in the system. The system was actually created with the intent of keeping a hierarchy in society that would benefit those who created it. The powerful people benefit from this. But realizing that is a journey. All of us are gonna be at a different place. And I think that this episode, I hope to give a few of my experiences in going a little bit further down that continuum from the comfortable place where we just assume that things that we see must just be bugs to the place where we start to ask uncomfortable questions 
arriving at a place where we have a lot more uncomfortable questions than we have tidy, clear answers. And beyond that is an unknown. It's an unknown where we have to work on ourselves and think about our intentions. It's not a place where there's a single, simple, technical solution like, oh, if we just did this, everything would fix itself. Because the systemic problems we see are not just the system, they're also the feelings we have in navigating that system. They're about the feelings that people had before me who created that system, who might not have even realized that they were doing harm. If you reread or listen to Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail, one of the things that stands out is that he has the harshest words for liberal-minded people who agree with him but will do next to nothing and sacrifice very little to gain the things that they say they believe in. The system is messed up because a lot of people with good intentions forgot to include and amplify the people who are, who are being harmed by it. I haven't had the conversation yet with my parents, but I know my father is a staunch supporter of whoever the Republican Party endorses, and that includes Trump. I, on the other hand, have been producing this podcast about spiritualized activism for three years. So after 64 episodes, two dozen about the lessons of Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, and others, I would think that I'm qualified to have the conversation, to ask my parents, what do they think white privilege means? But that doesn't prepare anyone. There is no number of books, no amount of reading you can do. If you want to have the conversation, you need to have the conversation. Maybe you can start with someone where your differences aren't so great as your family members, but you do have to have it. I'm not looking forward to this but I feel like to continue to be silent is a tacit willingness to live with the injustices that have become a part of our daily lives for the next 35 or 50 years. And that's just, I can't tolerate that. I have to take the risk of having the conversation with people and a conversation that I know probably will do very little in terms of changing anyone's opinions or facts or attitudes. That's not what it's about. The act of having the conversation itself is the benefit because it is leading with a value saying, I'm talking about this because it's the most important thing to me. And because I care about you, I'm trying to do this in a tactful and respectful way, but I also want you to hear that this is the most important thing to me and that I really want to have this conversation with you so that we can learn from each other and just talk about things that we've been silent about for too long. When deciding to have the talk with my parents, I was balancing two different ideals, harmony and justice. I want to remain in community with my parents, and so harmony is the intent of keeping the relationship going, even though it may be awkward at first. But in my other ear shouts this other competing ideal about justice. The reason injustice persists is because very well-meaning people who are thoughtful are choosing harmony over the conflict that would happen if we started asking each other about these hard questions. 
So the way that I prepared for the conversation was to get alone with, and journal for an hour and come up with 12 questions that in a perfect conversation I'd be able to ask with a very receptive person. But in real life, I didn't expect to get through more than one or two of these. And I think everyone's set of 12 will be different. Starting out, I think about the value of the relationship I want to sustain. And I asked, so have you been watching the news these past weeks? I'm curious, since we've never talked about it, what do you think the idea of white privilege means? Number two, what person, what personal value do you think you embody in the way you've responded to these protests against pr police brutality? Three, do you think the police should be immune? How should we and the system deal with those who are responsible for killing? What are your hopes and dreams for the future? What are you afraid of? When this country achieves our dream of equal treatment of all people, when do you think this will happen? And what do you think we will have to sacrifice to get there? Do you find yourself asking any new questions? For me, I think I have more questions than answers, and anyone who seems to still have all the answers worries me. This week I shared with my son, Xander, that the two greatest figures, in my view, from the 20th century were Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. And he asked me, why, Daddy? And I said, well, it was because they saw injustice, which is when one group of people does something harmful to another, and they showed everyone a way to make the rights wrong, even liberate a whole country from another group that occupied them without any fighting. They just made it clear that remaining in the country would no longer benefit that other country, and so they left. Well, the power to bring about that kind of change through understanding instead of force, that is what makes one the kind of person that others will still remember and talk about in 500 years. Can you think of any more important people than these two, I would ask? Uh, when I told my son this, he said, after a pause, hot lava can kill you, but I do think he was listening. 10. What kind of person do you want to be remembered as? What do you value above all else? 11. What sorts of things do we take for granted today that others will look back on us in 200 or 500 years and consider barbaric and backwards? 12. I'll be doing a church service in a few weeks on July 4th, July 5th, and I'm finding myself asking a lot of tough questions about what America means when they talk about being patriotic. Do you think that the, thing, the language we use around patriotism can be used to divide us as well as unite us as a group? So those are my 12. I don't expect to get answers, and personally, I don't need the answers, but I do need to ask these questions because I suspect that simply asking them may help both me and the people that I'm in relationship with move a little bit further away from the comfortable assumptions we make about what is right and wrong in the world. And if you have better questions, I would love to hear them. Next, I'm going to share some clips from the conversation that I did have with my parents. 
I started with about 20 minutes of check-in, finding out what's going on in our lives. In the meantime, I'm doing genealogy. I have two projects going. Cavalier de la Salle, the uh, French explorer. I had one of my like many times great uncles on the expedition. He was a French Canadian hired because he knew how to hunt in the wild and everything. His job was to hunt the buffalo. As I'm listening to, to this, I'm group. thinking of how I can bring this up. But they got, most of them got killed by the Indians, including him, because they stole some of the Indian canoes. They were not very good at making friends down in Texas. Some farmer dug up the village on his farm and found where all these uh, French people had been buried. The Spanish saw them, the bodies there, you know, maybe months later and buried them all. I think I look at history with a little different lens. I like to understand why things are today and how we got to where we are. So like every night for the last couple of weeks, I've been reading up on Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement and looking at how people are talking about the same things today that they were talking about in 1968. That's taking Here I'm bringing up something very serious and he's laughing because he is uncomfortable. 1968. That's taking up a lot of time because I, for me, that's like a really important thing. Something that I value is having a, a context and understanding as the world is changing rapidly. I want to be a part of making it better. Uh, have you, what have you been, how have you been reacting to Space Force. the news? I've been watching Space Force, the new one. Well, I see a lot you of mean the, the TV show. Going... Here he changes the subject, but my mother does engage. Well, I see a lot you mean of the, the, TV you know, show? the protests going up. I saw some of it, but after two or three weeks of it, I just can't watch anymore. Yeah. It's good that they protest and they're going to change things, but protests wearing masks and doing social distancing, a lot of the ones here, Half of them were not wearing masks. And in two weeks, you're going to have a lot more cases and going to be spikes up there. Well, but, that's true. Know, their cause is good. They go ahead and, and they seem to be getting everyone's attention in Congress. So they're trying to change things. That's the well, good what do you, part. Did you hear people talking about this idea of white privilege? Like, what does that mean to you? I'm curious. Well, we all know what that is. If we get well, what, stopped by the police, they're not going to pull their guns out on us. And what do you think that we can do something about that? Well, I don't know personally what I can do. You know, we just do what the police tell us to do. Anyway, the, the only way you can do things is in vote in whatever they come up with. But you can do something. You can have this conversation and you can sit with the discomfort and inspire other people to have this conversation. No, we'll see what happens. Well, it definitely is, is something that's on my mind. I'm happy to see today that they are changing the name of our neighborhood. Uh, the neighborhood was named for the airport, and the airport was named for a former mayor who was a member of the KKK back when it was oh, Vogue. Oh, you had that wow. way out there? Way out it's of everywhere. Town. Even in the oh, whitest wow. white parts of the country, you will find people that are white supremacists. You know, yeah, we had an interesting uh, thing like that. Before we had any kids, we were living in Michigan. <laughs> Remember, we had Rachel, who was a black friend from the Peace Corps with us. Yeah. And we were going to go visit somewhere with her. We wanted an overnight and we stopped to get a motel. And the uh, owner said, well, you two can stay, but she can't. And I said, well, we can't do that. And we left. We, left, we found yeah. somewhere else. And I, told her, uh, and I told Rachel, you 16. have that here in Michigan? I thought that was only down south. So that was an eye opener. So they understand racism, but they may still not understand implicit bias. Imagine if the society was created by people who all had the same bias I had, 
except instead of being about sites in a folk song, it was about creating rules for policing and rules for what is considered fair and being unable to see the people in that society. It's possible for a group of non-racist people to still create a system that is racist in effect. And that is what people are waking up to. And if you have this conversation with someone you care about and you would like to send me a recording, we can work together to make a podcast. If all we do for the next couple years is release variations of this conversation, we will have done something. This has been the Living Prophets Podcast. As always, I invite you to share this with your friends on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you look. Until next time, stay safe.